On today's podcast from the North Wahala Church of God, the third message in the series, The Mystery of Intimacy. Today's message is from Sunday morning, January 21st, 2018. Now here's your speaker, Pastor Neil Nolan. Aren't you glad you're in the house of the Lord? I love what Pastor Russell said. In Pentecostal worship, it's not that we're better, but at any moment, it still belongs to the Lord. It all belongs to the Lord. During the singing, the offering, the announcements, God is all yours, amen? And he can move as he sees fit. Verse 13, and we're gonna skip in a moment. I'll walk you down. We're gonna skip at the verse 16 to verse 20. And it, and so it was, when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, that he sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. Then David danced before the Lord with all his might, and David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. Now as the ark of the Lord came in the city of David or Zion, Michael, Saul's daughter, his wife, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord. I love that phrase there, before the Lord. My worship is not for you this morning, it's for him, amen? amen. Before the Lord. Go, go back one, one more verse, let me finish it out. Before the Lord, amen? And she despised him in her heart. Skip with me to verse 20, three more verses please in verse 20. Then David returned, bless his household, and Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, how glorious was the king. She's making fun of him. How glorious was the king of Israel today, uncovering himself today in the eyes of the maids and of his servants as one of those base fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. I love that. So David said to Michael, it was before the Lord. It wasn't about you, sweetie. It wasn't about your daddy, and it wasn't about your lineage, and it was about no hierarchy or who I come to please. I did it for the Lord, who chose me. Now watch this. This is a kind of little backhanded slap to, his, to Michael, who chose me instead of your father and all his house to appoint me ruler of the people of the Lord over Israel. Therefore, I will play music before the Lord, verse 22. And I will be even the more, in the low country we would say it like this, you haven't seen anything yet baby. I will even the more undignified than this. He was saying low country here, I'm about to show out. I will be humble in my own sight, but as for the maid service on who you have spoken, by them I will be held in honor. What he was saying, you might not get see it because of your arrogance, but my people know that I'm worshiping unto the Lord. Therefore, Michael, the daughter of Saul. Watch this verse. I've never, I've never preached this. I missed it. Why is this verse there? Therefore, Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. Strange verse, almost out of place. But what you fail to realize, there's a place in worship and intimacy that can birth things that cannot be birthed anywhere else. If you don't believe that, read the story of Hannah, which I will preach next Sunday. I'm gonna preach the third part of a series, the mystery of intimacy. Amen, you may be seated. The mystery of intimacy. In Ephesians, Paul writes to the church 
and begins to talk about the mystery of the intimacy of marriage. And in those verses, he will flow and he begins to talk about Christ and the church. Then he'll come back to the husband and the wife, then Christ and the church. And it's almost like he's confused, but he is not. Because before the fall of man, there was instituted the intimacy between a man and a woman. And before that intimacy, there was intimacy with God in the triune God of the Trinity and God to also his people. There's something about this mystery of intimacy that allows us to see things in God that cannot be seen anywhere else. The first week I talked to you about coming away with God, rekindling that worship as we use the Song of Solomon, not to start out with such a fever and fire and then not even get out of bed to open the door to the lover. Week two, we talked about restored passion, how we were disappointed in God and God lets us down and how we saw the two on the road to Emmaus, how their eyes were open in intimacy and they saw God or saw Christ and their fire was brought back back to them. I was speaking to people who had been walking with God and discouraged and I wanted to see their fire restored. Today though, I want to talk about the birthing room. I want to talk about the place where things are birthed, nowhere else. Monday night, laying right over there where Brother Godwin is sitting, I was in prayer and I felt the Spirit of the Lord speak to me this sermon or this word and I want to bring it to you this morning. First of all, I want to talk to you about worship. Now, I'm not talking about cute worship like we have in church today. I'm not talking about planned out worship, time worship, schedule worship, or worship designed to make everybody happy. That's not worship. It's not worship. Worship has to be Southern gospel, has to be praise and worship, has to be new school, has to be old school, has to be this preacher in a tie, has to be this preacher in skinny jeans, has to be this preacher with spiked hair, has to be this preacher with dyed hair, has to be a church of God preacher, third generation. All that's not worship. Those are things that we have made in our mind They become stumbling blocks to worship. Yeah, yeah. They're stumbling blocks. They're not even instruments of worship. Or Brother Noli, you're putting my style. Now, no, I probably like your style. In fact, I like a little bit of everything because of the diversity of people that I have ministered to. But those are stumbling blocks. We schedule God. You have to be done by 12. You have to show up at 6. You, you have to show up at 7 on Wednesday nights. God, don't interrupt our private time. We have to God schedule. But see, you can't schedule God. You can schedule your time that you think God is there. But God is so immense that God cannot be programmed like you do your iPhone. Are you listening? That's not worship. Those are stumbling blocks to worship. And what happens is in that cute worship, we design it with, the, with this thought in mind. If I'm the pastor, I've got to have this song and that song and that style and that style. If I don't, this tithe payer will leave and this tithe payer will leave and that tithe payer will leave and this one will rub their, their hand in my face and tell me how great they are and who did this and who did that. But see, the problem you have with me is I don't know any of that. What raised that way? Don't understand it. Never have understood it. This is what I know. I stumbled into the church lost as a drunkard and I made my way to an altar and God saved me graciously, filled me with the Holy Ghost and called me to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's all I know about the kingdom of God. I don't always know the polity of the structure or who to kiss on the cheek to make everybody happy. Are you listening? And what we've done in church, we've exiled the Holy Ghost. 
We have locked him out because worship makes us uncomfortable. Worship makes us little where we don't like it. We want just enough Pentecost to be different than the Baptist church, but we don't want enough of God to be transformed. I, I know what God's called me to preach this morning. Brother, no, we like those preachers that always make us feel happy. I'm trying to make you feel happy if you listen. Amen? And what happens is because of that, we've messed up because our worship now is assigned to people and groups and styles instead of attributed to God. When I got saved, I didn't give God praise because of a style. I gave God praise because I was glad to be saved from the pit of hell. But now we have this cute worship war, war or culture. And what happens is we really are, are, are exiling God. Can I tell you something? I believe some of my best worship with God is when I didn't know anything about church. I'll never forget in a prayer meeting one night, I was leading a youth prayer meeting on Monday nights and we had young people coming and then we had adults start coming and then we had other churches start coming and Anthony, I wasn't a credential minister and I didn't know there were certain things I couldn't do in the church of God, you know. I wasn't, you know, the church I grew up in, if somebody would do it, praise God, somebody did it, you know? And so that night, I, I saw this couple walk in and they were separated. And I felt the, the Spirit of the Lord say to me, and I, I'm blaming on the Spirit of the Lord, I felt him say to me, go get a pot and put some water in it and have him wash her feet and have her wash his feet and watch me work. I said, okay, God. So I, I did that. I put the water down there and this man, Brother Malloy, washed his wife's feet. She washed his feet. Next thing you know, they're back together. They're doing ministry today and every Everything was great. The problem was, as a laity, I can't do that in the church of God. But I did it anyway because I didn't know any better. See, sometimes when I didn't know, I felt like, uh, Danny, my worship was more pure. But I'm not saying that we should sidestep the minutes. I didn't do that aggressively. I did that not knowing. But I know this, our worship needs to be pure where we're not worried about it being cute. And we're not worried about who thinks this or who thinks that. I'm looking for a day again where we don't have to beg people to worship. But the aroma of praise and the laughter of praise and the joy of praise is so loud in the sanctuary that we recognize that God is in this house. Yeah. Let me set this up in the text. The ark of the covenant is stolen. David recognizes I can't go on anymore. I've got to go get the presence of the Lord, ark representing the presence of the Lord. David makes his way and goes to retrieve it. On his way to retrieve it, he puts it on something that he should not have. He's carrying the ark in a way that he should not have. And what happens, the ark begins to fall and a man puts his hand on it and he dies. David is wroth, wroth at God. So David says, I don't want it. I don't even want it anymore. So they take the covenant to Obed-Edom's house. And Obed-Edom's house, things change when God shows up. The presence of the Lord comes and the next thing you know, Obed-Edom is being blessed in the morning and at night. Old Bishop G.E. Patterson, a church of God in Christ, preacher out of Memphis, said everybody that walked by his house was blessed. His neighbor was blessed, his dog was blessed, his Auntie Sue was blessed. That's what the word says, maybe not Auntie Sue, but everybody was blessed. All of a sudden, David begins to remember about how God's presence was. And he remembered that in the presence of the Lord, there's the fullness of joy. And David says, you know what? I can't take this anymore. God, thank you for blessing Obed-Edom, but I'm going back to get God's presence. So David goes back now in humility. 
As I walk you down, David now is returning the ark back to the city of Zion, back to the city of David. And as David is making his way back home, he isn't just walking home. It's like when your child gets saved. You kill the fatted calf. You put the ring on the finger. You call a party. We're not like the church today. Somebody gets saved. And we have to beg people to stay in God's house to give God praise for the soul that was saved. Because you know we got to get to the steakhouse. Somebody's been bound by drugs and alcohol and somebody gets saved and we got to make sure Pastor Neil doesn't get two PD on us because he talks with that PD tone. So we got to tone him down just a little bit. Let me tell you something. If it's my child, your child, or your grandchild that gets saved, we should have such a worship service that this town has never seen after a soul comes home. Praise God. David not only comes back now, not on an ox cart, but David's got trumpets and he's got music and he's got noise and he's got shouting. David comes back dancing. I'm not trying to be funny, but David comes back dancing. The real translation says David was whirling. He was whirling, coming back in in the presence of the Lord. I know what you're thinking. Brother Nolan, we don't do that at North Walhalla. We're too dignified for that, yeah? Until your child gets bound by meth, then you don't care what it looks like. You just want God to show up. You take off your jewelry. You take off your pretty little worship clothes and you get down to this altar and you put your face on the ground and you say, God, I don't care what who thinks about it. I'm going to stay till I know that you're going to bring my child out. Amen. David comes back worshiping. He is worshiping. I'm, I'm going somewhere. You better buckle up and stay with me. I know what the Lord told me Monday night in prayer. David is worshiping. He comes back in and you will think of all the people that would be on David. David's side. David comes back in. You think his wife or his or her family would be the ones giving God praise for his presence returning back home. But you got to remember how she was raised. She was raised by the first king who God raised up who began to hate David and hate God. And God had to sit him down. So instead of her giving God praise, she rebukes David. She rebukes him for lowering himself to worship in such a manner. I want to show you a couple of things this morning, then I'll close. First of all, I want you to listen. If you understand this, David was not degrading himself in worship. When you worship God, listen, Brother Nolan, but Paul said there must be order. Absolutely right, there must be order in the sanctuary. I'm not preaching worship out of order, but today we really don't worship out of order much anymore. In the church of God, there was a time where we had a test of spirits. We were so zealous in worship, there might have been 10 tongues in interpretation of service. And we had to say, oh, we got to bring that back to scripture. Today, we're almost pushing all of that away because we don't want to be out of order at all. Can I tell you, there's going to be some worship at times that's out of order, but I'm a big boy and you're a big girl. We can take it and God will give us wisdom. But just because one person shows out doesn't mean we have to kick the Holy Ghost out of the church. She despised him in, in her heart. And David says to her, I didn't do this for you. I did this for the Lord. And I worship before him. He was saying to her, sweetie pie, I didn't do this for you. I didn't come worshiping and dancing to make you happy. I come to do this because I'm glad to have God back in my life. 
See, when you're absent of the presence of the Lord and your joy returns and your glory, his glory returns and the zeal returns, you don't care what anybody thinks about it. Point number one, first of all, David was worshiping before the Lord so much that he worshiped right out of his living ephod. Just come off. It's kind of like the old ladies in the church. My first church of God service, I'll never forget it. These things called bobby pins. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Y'all, y'all don't know about bobby pins, these young ladies. You know, these bobby pins, Sister Pierce and Sister Hodges, they got the shouting. I'm just non-Pentecostal boy in a pair of shorts and a hat on backwards. And next thing you know, I'm ducking like this right here. <laughs> bobby pins flying on a Wednesday night all over the sanctuary. But it attracted me. I knew God was real. I was tired of die uh, dead in dry church. That's what David is saying right here. First of all, if you want intimacy with God, you've got to be willing to dance and shake some things off of your life and let some things go. David was telling Michael, I know I'm king. I know I have the title. I know I have the backing of the people. But one thing I don't have anymore, I do not have the presence of the Lord in my life. I've exiled him out to Obed-Edom's house. And now Obed-Edom is being blessed. And I sit here with a nagging woman in a place that I don't want to be and my God is somewhere else. David was letting her know, I will let down my titles. I will throw down my crowns. I will throw down my popularity. I will throw down the prestige of North Walhalla if I can just have God back in my life. I feel the Holy Ghost. Oh, Brother Nolan. I want to be on the deacon board. I want to be on the state council. I want to be on this. I want to be in the country club. I want to be the mayor. First thing you need to be is to fall in love with God and seek his face. We've run after kings and we've chased after kingdoms and we've paid and bought and manipulated to be on boards and everything else. But I find myself, Anthony, at 39 years of age saying, you can have all that. I just want the presence of almighty God in my life. Oh, mm, mm. we've got to lay aside some things. Oh, Brother Nolan, I, I want the trophies. Yeah, we've wanted the trophies in the church, haven't we? We polish our softball trophies more than we do the salvations in the church. Come on with me, somebody. We do. It's like Aiden. Now, his generation, Russell, when we came along, there was one winner, they got a trophy. Now they give them rings for second place. Beatest thing I've ever seen in my life. That's how we are in the church. Everybody's got to get a trophy and we got to polish it. This is my seat. Grandma deeded it to me a long time ago. And we polish it and we make sure nobody else sits there. And we put our trophies out in front and we polish them. We put them in our home and we polish them. But you know the funny thing about trophies? When you get it, it feels good. But then when you get the second and third, it kind of loses its meaning, don't it? And that's how we are now in the church. We broke a tithe record in December. To God be the glory. We help more people in December than any other month in our church. But I'm not here to break tithe records. We need the funds to do ministry. That's the great thing of that. And you're being blessed by being faithful. But my job is not to polish that. My job is not to put it out there and just put on Facebook and say, look at this, look at this. That's not my job. That's not what I'm called to do. I'm not here to polish trophies. I'm not here to set them up. I'm not here to say this is my title because titles will have responsibility. Some people want titles, but they do not want responsibility. 
See, you've got to choose this morning. You can have trophies, but you can't have the presence of the Lord. You can have titles over God, but you can't have the presence of the Lord. See, David was tired of trophies, and David was tired of titles. He had Goliath's head. He had lion's mane on the back of his couch, and he had the title of the king of Israel. But what David didn't have anymore was the God that walked with him when he was a teenager. David didn't have that anointing that when a bear came up, he could take his bare hand because the Holy Ghost would come on him and rip that bear to shreds. And David recognized this. You can have all this. I take it off. I don't want it no more. I'm gonna dance myself right out of it because I'd rather have him. I want you to hear a bold statement I'm about to make. 10 years ago, my identity was in my position. I want you to hear me. Not leaving, don't want to leave. I want you to hear me. My identity was in my position and my work as a minister. It was who I was and am as my DNA. But now at 39, my identity is not being the pastor in North Wahala. It's part of who I am. It's a part of my ministry, but it's not who I am in totally or in my deity. I understand, or my DNA, I should say. I am first a child of the king. I no longer pray to get a sermon. I pray because I want to spend time with him. I no longer call on him because I need help knowing how to give you wisdom. I call on him because he's my God and he's my shepherd and I'm the sheep of his pastor. If I had to walk away tomorrow, I understand I leave not in disappointment or defeat, but I leave knowing it was God who brought me and God who will take me somewhere else. And see, that's how we mess up as ministers. Let me speak to the ministers because we make our life about our title and what we do. No, no, no. It's about him and him in our life and that's where our joy is sustained. David was tired of being absent of the presence of the Lord. He was tired of not being clean in the presence of the Lord and he made a choice to lay it all aside. Look to your neighbor and say lay it down. Secondly, not only did David lay down his ephod, which represented the kingdom, also he recognized not everybody is going to go with me where God is calling me to go. He goes home. Sweetie, let me tell you what happened. Whew, we got it. God is back. It's like some of you to go home to try to tell your spouse what God did in church service and the only thing they want to talk to you is about NASCAR. I didn't say leave your husband or your wife. I said, listen, you've got to understand not everybody's going to go with you. I want to take everybody with me, and that is probably my greatest mistake in ministry. I thought everybody would come once they met the God that I met. The problem is they have a little bit of church and not enough of God. And I'm going to make a bold statement. Some of the hardest people to deal with and some of the greatest people some of the greatest people are second, third, and fourth generation Pentecostals. And some of the hardest people to deal with are second, third, fourth generation Pentecostals. They're hard-hearted. They've seen the real and they've seen the fake. Michael lived in Saul's house. She knew what it was for a king to manipulate, to lie, to cheat, to steal, to kill. She saw all the fake about a king. And now she has this Hebrew this boy come in who is dancing in her mind like a buffoon 
out there taking off his clothes and dancing as a commoner in the street. But Brother Nolan, shouldn't David want her to come? Sure. And I know that he does in his heart, but she is unwilling to go. So this is what you've got to do, North Wahala. You've got to make up your mind that if your sweet honey buns do not want to go with you, leave her in bed. But you get out at two o'clock in the morning and you go to your prayer closet and you say, God, I've asked Aiden to come, but he doesn't want to come. And I've asked Ashton to come, but he doesn't want to come. And I've asked Jessica to come meet with us, God, but she doesn't want to come. But I made up my mind. I can't live without you any longer. I'm tired of church and I'm tired of religion and I'm tired of false and I'm tired of fake and I'm tired of faking it. So God, I made up my mind. If nobody else won't go, I've got to have this intimate time with you. I want some to come, but the more I preach, God, some leave because they don't like that style preaching. It's too straightforward. I've heard that already in North Wahala, in Wahala, but I gotta be me, God, because I will not be a hireling and I'm not gonna tiptoe around the tithers to make people happy. I've got to preach the word and the word says this, David, David, come, come with me, boy. Come away with me, son. Come Psalms 91. Come away Psalms 27. That's why David could write these words. Why? Because in the moments of intimacy with God, God will speak to you and pour himself out into your life. Amen. Not everybody's gonna go. Thirdly, not only will they not go, listen to me clearly, I'm not telling you to speak this to flesh and blood. I'm telling you to speak this to spirits, demonic forces. You've got to sooner or later let them know I take authority over you. David says to her in verse 21, and I, this is not, I sent something to our, our deacons this morning. I wanted to encourage them. And I told them, I said, this is not proper marriage conference teaching. I want to say that up front. And I can give you the background of what I really think about David and her marriage because of the, the game playing because of Saul, but that's a different story. But because of this, he lets her know in verse 21, David told her, listen, you didn't put me in this position. In fact, your, your father tried to keep me from this position and actually took her away from a while and gave her to another man, different story. He says to her, but God has raised me up. My own daddy didn't recognize. My own brothers didn't recognize him. It took a man of God coming to my house and looking at my daddy and saying, Jesse, you don't have any more sons? I got one more, but I I'm telling you, it's not him. He's a, he's a prankster. He's a troublemaker. He's just a kid. He's kind of a ruddy looking boy. He smells like sheep and whatever sheep smells like. He, you don't even want to look at him. And, and the man of God says, bring him to me. Bring him to me. And as he sees David walking, he said, that's him. And he bows down and he anoints him to be king. See, see you don't have to play manipulation games for, with people where you know the voice of God. See, God will pull you out from the backside of a desert. You understand what I'm saying? I come from a nowhere town in a nowhere place and my family is not known to be anything Christ-like in that town. But can I tell you, when God calls somebody out, God can find them. He doesn't need a GPS to go get them. God knows them and where they stand and God will raise them up in due season. 
God said, David says to her, baby, you didn't call me to this. In fact, let me press this. He says, actually, God raised me up to take your daddy's place. So I want you to understand this. Not only am I just beginning, because see, I've tried it your way, and I let the presence of the Lord bless somebody else. And I can't take that any longer. I want his blessings in my life. So I'm letting you know, you haven't seen anything yet. <laughs> oh, I was thinking about Aiden right then. He's got a few more years left in my home, doesn't he? Because I feel myself becoming less churchy and more worshipful in my experience. And what I mean by that is I, I'm not here to impress you this morning. I don't care what, what you think about it. I'm here to do what God spoke to me Monday night. But let me just say it like this. You come to that place where you let the devil know you've tried to tame me and you try to put me in a corner and you try to do it by paying me a good salary. But devil, you can't do that. I've got to be who I am. So I'm letting you know, devil. Michael, I'm letting you know you haven't seen anything yet. You think you despise me now because I took off my kingly robe and danced before common people? He was letting her know, sweetie, you might as well go ahead and call Dr. Phil because you're going to need him because I'm about to drive you crazy. You're going to need to lay down on somebody's couch and take something, a Kool-Aid or something because I'm about to worship like you never see. Why? Because I'm tired of the servants and I'm tired of all this stuff around me. I want to go back to when I was 15 and the lion came out in the woods and I looked around for my daddy and I couldn't find my daddy and I looked around for a shaman and a bit of dad and I couldn't find my big brothers so I had to rely on the presence of God and the Holy Ghost would come on me and I would take that lion and I would slay him. I want to go back to when Goliath came and he cussed at my God I looked around and I said is there not anybody that will stand up to this uncircumcised Philistine and I told God then God if he killed me so be it but I've got to make a stand for you baby you hadn't seen nothing yet I'm going back to my first love and back to a place of intimacy oh now I feel the Holy Ghost in this house Brother Nolan, they're not going to ask you to speak at camp meeting. So what? Brother Nolan, you keep preaching like that. They're not going to ask you. I didn't come for them to ask me. I already realized what they want. They probably want something else in return. I'm not in the return business. I'm in the worship business. I'm in the worship business because God will come and have it, my praise. You haven't seen nothing yet. Did you feel that? Did you just feel that? Would you worship just for a moment? Did you feel that? Oh, I just felt the wind of the Holy Ghost in this house. Did you just feel what I felt? I'm not trying to work anything up. I don't need to. Did you feel what I just felt? Would you worship him? Look back over your past, saith the Lord. I gave you a word. 
and I gave you a promise that I will return again. I am here, saith the Lord, and I am ready to pour out my spirit and my presence upon you, but you must receive it. Put down the hardness of the heart. Forget about what happened yesterday and receive me, saith the Lord. And I'm telling you this morning, I'm gonna show you my glory once again, and when you receive it, you will live, and you will not die, saith the Lord of hosts. Hallelujah. Would you worship him in this house? I want, I want to see that last song more and more. Is Jessica in this house? Quickly, quickly. I want you to hear me. Pull that, that last verse. Pull up that last verse. Hurry. I, I, want to, I want to see. We're going to worship. Listen to me. I, I'm, almost, I'm almost, almost reluctant to take, go to this next verse. And I'm really fighting my spirit whether I should bring it up. Just, just pull it up. Let me look at it. God's in this house. God's in this house. Russell, some of the things that happened to me in ministry are, that people thought would kill me is the best thing that ever happened to me because it makes me dependent upon him. And so when you're dependent upon God, Herschel, and that hunger for him, you recognize you can have the whole world, but just give me Jesus, amen? Go to verse 23, verse 23. I, I don't understand this verse. I, I don't understand it. Unless I'm missing this, and some of you scholars, and I mean that very respectfully. I told Russell this morning, we were talking to Brandon Buzz, I said, you can't fake it at North Wahala. There's some of the older ones, and I mean that not in the age and spirit, like Sister Romel and them, they know the word. You, you, you can't fake it. You, you gotta preach it, or, or they'll call you out on it because you can't fake it here. It's gotta be the real thing, and that's a good thing. But the scripture says, almost out of place, therefore Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. Is that what it says? Why? Why is that fitted after her rebuking David? I, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to push the scripture. I'm not saying, but I can't prove it, but you can't disprove it. And I also can prove what worship can do. And I'm hoping to preach that next Sunday with Hannah. But notice that when, when the rebuke's there, something by scripture is closed, her womb. I don't understand it. That's what the scripture says. But it gives me this thought is what the Holy Ghost wants me to share in closing. There are things that you won't birth in your life that cannot be birthed absence of the intimate room with God. I can give Aiden my truck. We have a little bit of land in Society Hill. I can give it to him, but I cannot give him my anointing. Can't happen. I cannot just take all these years and, and just drop it off of him. He has to go to God for himself. And he has to spend time alone for God himself. Fasting, prayer by himself. And then God can birth things in his life. Listen to me, church, as I close. We are trying to birth things in the church. Are you listening? That we have not first been alone with God and we're faking it. Churches have not had a real move of God in so long that any old type of excitement, they say God's back and he's not. If you want to birth some things in your life, listen to me. There's a place you've got to go to with God alone. Ashton is a reward of a long time with my beautiful bride, respectfully. It's the same way in the spirit. Listen to me quickly. Why are you losing me? Don't lose me. It's the same way. God is saying, you want these things? Come away with me. Come away with me. 
come away with me where that you and I can give birth to ministries, destinies, healings, salvations, victory in Jesus, triumphs. It's happening right here at the North Walhalla Church of God. But it will not happen just because we have Pastor Appreciation Day. And it won't happen because you give me a Christmas gift. And it won't happen because we sing three choir songs, take my offering, and get you out of here by 1159. That has no regard to God's presence. It only happens when you get along with God and you're like Hannah and you cry out so much that they think you're drunk in the house of the Lord. I'm trying not to get too far next week, but Hannah's barren, but through her worship, her womb becomes open and she gives birth to a man of God. Brother Nolan, you're preaching crazy stuff. Let me tell you, he inhabits the praises of his people. And when God comes down, don't tell me what God can not do. I've seen wounds or the reward of wounds open. I've seen 40-year-olds have babies where the doctor said there's no chance after spending time in prayer. Don't tell me what God cannot do. He is here this morning. And if you will inhabit, worship him, he will inhabit your praises and God will come in this intimate time and you can birth things here this morning that cannot be birthed anywhere else. Would you stand with me all over this house? Lift your hands, lift your hands, lift your hands. Now's the time. Some of you have closed up your mouth, your heart, and you're so tired of church. Preacher, I'm tired of you. you. You're pushing me too hard. So be it. That's fine. Won't you reach out to him today? He's here, ready for you. What have you dreamed of? What is that God speaking to you again? There's some hurt people in this house. You've been hurt by preachers. You've been hurt by church. I know. I, I, I beg forgiveness for whoever hurt you. But aren't you ready to give birth to something that will last forever? I want you to have your joy back. You may not get your title back, but you can get your joy back. <laughs> oh, I just felt that. You may not get your title back, but you can get your joy back. And if you get your joy, you would do the job without a title because you could care less about the title. Brother Nolan, I just want to be recognized. No. When you get along with God, you'll start saying something like this. I just want him to be lifted high. Amen. I don't care if they recognize me or not. Father, I've preached your word. I've preached your word. I've preached your word today. As we open up these altars, God, I pray there'll be a flood of people that would come like last week who would just say, God, I'm ready for that intimate time. It's the mystery of intimacy that opens things and closes things. So I come now, God, because I recognize like David, others are being blessed while I'm being bitter. So I whirl, I worship, I shout, I laugh. I take back like from Ziklag everything that was stolen. And God, I give you praise. Amen. I said, begin to sing. Here we go. Every head bowed, every eye closed just for a moment. Then we're going to worship. If you say, Pastor, I'll come back now. I want to worship. I want to worship like David. Would you come to this altar quickly, 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 quickly. Oh. Already miracles are being wrought in this altar. Already. That's a miracle right there. Joy, that's a miracle right there. 
That's a miracle right there. Come on, come on, come on. Sing it, sing it, sing it. Keep singing that song, worship.
Just linger just a moment. Just linger just a moment. If you've got to leave, God bless you. Six o'clock tonight. Can we just linger just a moment? It was so refreshing to hear the cries of the people. To hear laughter, which that word joy translates, it's more of a laughter in the Old Testament of a worship. So it's not out of order when they were laughing. In fact, that's what was happening probably in the Old Testament. It was a bellowing of laughter that came because God's presence was so strong. But it's so refreshing to see the winds of Pentecost flowing in our church. I'm not saying worked up or made up or, or fabricated. I'm talking about genuine move. And I'll tell you what I hear in my spirit. I wasn't here 50 years ago, 40 years ago. Some of you, you've been faithful through it all. And God's give you promises. And I'm telling you, if you'll hold on, you're about to see them come true right before your eyes. Not because of preacher, but because of him. God is in this house, amen. I saw Ashley take off in a, in a little sprint right there. Only thing I wish would have happened, I wish the Holy Ghost would have carried them all over the sanctuary. It wouldn't hurt my feelings for somebody to say this week in Wahala, they were actually running again at North Wahala. Wouldn't bother me one bit. Brother Nolan, we might lose somebody. No, we might gain a lot of people because they're tired of church. And they want the presence of the Lord. He's in this house, amen. Before we leave, just lay your hand on the person beside of you as a closing prayer. I want to invite you back tonight, 5.15 prayer meeting, 6 o'clock. We're having communion and we're having a prayer service. We'll be at the altar as you've done before, but we are going to strategically, we're ending the prayer initiative, but we're starting the prayer lifestyle. Amen. And what we're doing is we're going to pray specifically over certain things and we're going to pray and we're going to pray and we're going to pray some more. For those of you who say, well, I'm going to stay home because they're praying. You need to come on back to the altar right now. Let me pray for you. Amen. Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. What we're having this morning is the benefit of prayer life. Amen? To see your daughter at the altar is blessed me today. So we love you and welcome home. And it's so good to have you back with your church family. Amen? Amen? Praise God. Hallelujah. Put the hand on the person beside you. Father, one could put a thousand, two could put 10,000. God, we're hungry. I watched the enemy try to bring disunity at times and somehow the maturity level and the Holy Ghost of this church, he'll squash it out. He'll squash it out. Even in spite of me, what I don't see, you see. God, you have a way in the spirit of just putting those fires out to allow us to come back where we can enjoy the presence of the Lord. God, we are touch and agree. We take off our titles. We take off the ephod. We take off all that and we dance before your presence. Not caring what anybody thinks. And we say, God, let the Michaels naysay, but I'd rather have your presence. I'd rather have your presence. God, as we come back tonight, I believe we're gonna walk right back in a deeper level. And at this service, there's gonna be a, a haze of your glory. And God, a bursting of noise from the prayers that are gonna be prayed. 
Your will be done in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, and amen. Can we give God praise?